0: can see further down the road than you can. Not only can you not see what's around the corner, you really don't even know what's in front of you. Some of you don't even know what you got and you're looking at dead in the eyes. Brothers of the word, because brother, you need the Brothers of the word. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word and today i am going to be speaking from the first book of the bible and if i asked any of you here in this sanctuary or those listening electronically to turn to the first book of the bible no one would have a difficulty or hesitation finding what is commonly believed as the first book of the Bible. But the first book of the Bible depends upon the methodology that you use to order the book. And I'll give you an example just in the siblings of my family, just in the brothers of the Bronner clan. If we listed them by order of Bernard, Charles, Dale, Darrell, James, Nathaniel, that is a correct order, but it is alphabetical order. If we listed them alphabetically, I, Nathaniel, would be last. But if we listed them by the order of conception and delivery and birth into the world, last would be first. So depending upon the methodology that you use to order, that would depend upon what's actually the first book of the Bible. And the way this message came about, I'm, I'm on 42 at powerof42.com or do42.com. It's a special program involving the 40-day miracle. And I had decided that I was going to read the 42nd chapter of every book of the Bible. And I discovered there are no books in the New Testament that have 42 chapters. And there are only six books in the Old Testament that have 42 or more chapters. Genesis, Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. And there is one book of the entire Bible and one book only that contains exactly 42 chapters. And when I stumbled across this interesting fact, and it's interesting because when you study the number 42 and its biblical and spiritual significance, it's, it's heavy duty. It's the number of generations of Jesus and so many other things. And as I stumbled across this book, I recognized that this book is considered by most scholars to be the oldest book of the Bible. And it kind of shook me that the oldest, the original book of the Bible had exactly 42 chapters. And if you search on the Internet, you put in Google or Yahoo or whatever. If you put in the phrase, the oldest book in the Bible, there is one book that will come up consistently. And that book is the book of Job. And Job is considered even in my Bible, and my Bible is published by Thomas Nelson. They're the largest Christian book publisher in the world. And when I opened up the book of Job, it has a commentary at the beginning, and it begins with this sentence. The book of Job, Job is perhaps the earliest book of the Bible. So here... Thomas Nelson, the largest Christian publisher in the world. They've got more resources, more scholars, more research. They've done more translations than virtually anybody. So all of the scholars, as a majority, they say from all of their research that the first and the oldest book of the Bible is the book of Job. And I begin to wonder, here in the book of Job, 42 chapters, what is there so special about Job that this is the book that was The oldest, that was the canonized first, the oldest book of the Bible. What is it about Job that is so significant? And Job begins, if you read the book of Job, it begins starting out with simply the words, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And as I thought about it, Job lived in the land of Uz. And you don't hear much about the land of Uz. And, and, and we don't know the exact pronunciation, whether it was Uz or as Pastor James says, us. But, 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 it, but there's one thing, and perhaps sometimes as time unfolds, you'll find that the Bible has Meaning upon meaning and level upon level of understanding, there is one country in the world that sounds like us. And that's us, the U.S. And there was a man who lived in the land of the U.S. How many of you all are in the land of the U.S.? Are you all in the land of us right now. just depends upon how you pronounce it. And as I saw this, I began to see parallels of why it is particularly significant today. Even the name Job, it is spelled identical to the word job. And do you know that's the number one worry of the people today in the land of us? The number one worry, if you take a survey in the recent election, the number one concern was the economy. That translates into they were worried about Job. And you see, it depends upon how you pronounce things. You can go to different sections of the country and it will pronounce differently. We have a street here called Houston Street. We pronounce it Houston here in Atlanta. But if you go to Texas, it's pronounced Houston. So it depends upon where you go as terms of of how the thing sounds. So we're worried about Job here in the land of us. It's the number one concern of the people in this country and and when job went through his calamity all of his money and all of his property was taken by foreigners that's where our jobs have gone they've gone to other lands so when you look at it, we've had China that has come in and taken our jobs. We've had Mexico that has come in and taken our jobs. We have India that has come in and taken our jobs. So our jobs in the land of us has gone to foreign countries. So when you start looking at the parallels, this is the oldest book of the Bible. God had to have some purpose or some special significance if this book was penned before any of the other books of the Bible. Now there is some controversy over whether or not Job is the oldest, but as a general consensus of the people who make a living studying the history of the Bible, Job is the book that is believed to be the oldest in the Bible. So why did the Holy Spirit, why did God write the book of Job and they don't even know who wrote the book of Job? That the author is unknown, but the author of a lot of the books of the Bible are unknown. The author of the Pentateuch is in truth unknown. It is normally accredited to Moses, but they're not sure about it. There's one thing I do know, Moses couldn't have written all of it, because some of the stuff in the Pentateuch is what happened when he died. I know good and doggone well he couldn't have written the stuff after he died, so I know he didn't write all of it, but there is still general questions about authors in the Bible and and, and we don't know who wrote all of the stuff. All that we know is that it was by the hand of God and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We don't know who wrote all of this stuff so no one is sure who exactly wrote the book of Job. So the first book of the Bible, the first book based on chronological order, I want to just talk about the seven things of the first book of Scripture. And when you read Job to understand some stuff, number one, it was the blessing by God of the righteous. Beginning in Job, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the east. First thing of Job, see, when people, if you ask somebody about Job, all people think about is the tough stuff of Job. You all say the tough stuff. It was more stuff than just the tough stuff of Job. I preached a sermon called the four experiences of Job. There are actually four Job experiences, not one. We just have a tendency to think of the negative and, and, and the negative experience of Job was perhaps his shortest time frame. So there are other things involved, but Job was the most blessed man of God. So the book of Job, the first book of the Bible, it begins talking about how blessed The righteous are. The second thing is the heavenly goings on in Job. In Job, beginning in the first chapter, 6 through the 11th verse, it says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hand so that his... you don't know the story. The point is There are things going on in the heavens that we don't know about. There's some stuff going on up there that we're just not privy to. There's some orchestrations being manipulated that we don't have a clue about. I I had an experience this weekend. Friday, uh, my wife's family is having a family reunion in South Carolina. My wife's parents had come up and 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 some of her relatives were here. So we were going to all go to South Carolina and they're not, they're not really coming back until later this afternoon. And I, and I told her, I said, look, I need to preach on Sunday. I've been out of the ark for a long time. I I just can't miss another Sunday right now. Normally I'd stay on here and just, but I I need to come back. So I had to drive my car separate. So I'd be able to come back ahead of everyone else. So I got in, you know, I have a little bitty smart two-seater car. So, My oldest son wanted to ride with me. So we were riding all down together in a caravan going to South Carolina. It's a straight shot down. I 20 about three and a half hours drive. We were riding. I had to top down, just enjoying just the wind blowing sun shining. Eighty five degrees. Just beautiful. And I told my son, I said, look, had the GPS set giving us exact direction, everything. I said, look, go and reset our course. I said, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of led. I want to go the back way. Go and reset the course and punch in instead of fastest way, punch in, avoid freeways. And he went in and he punched in, avoid freeways and reset the route. And he told us to get off at the next exit. So I said, look, we're going to get off on the next exit. Daddy's going to teach you some things about going through life and journeys. I'm going to teach you how to enjoy your, your trip instead of just trying to barrel it. I'm going to teach you how to enjoy the ride. So we, as we were coming off the exit, my son said, Daddy, look. He said, the cars are backing up on the expressway. And I looked over to the left and sure enough, all of the cars had come to a stop just as we were getting off. I said, my goodness, I said, I said, boy, you see, when you go with your daddy, stuff happens, doesn't it? He said, it sure does. <laughs> so, so, so so, we're just driving down the highway, driving through the country, 60, 70 miles an hour, beautiful country. I called my wife, I said, baby, where you all at? She said, we just up here stuck. I said, well, how fast are you moving? She said, we doing zero. They stayed there for 30 minutes to an hour, stuck in that traffic, as we were just barreling down the highway. So I followed the GPS, and all of a sudden it had us cut back across I-20, and we were still going to go the back. I said, "Well, let me get back on I-20 here. The, the, it's, it's clear all the way from here. I'm gonna just go ahead. I'm, I'm not gonna try, travel the back. I got on I-20, and the GPS was still set for the back roads, but I-20 was a straight shot anyway. And I kept hearing the voice of God that said, get back on the back roads and take the scenic route. And I looked at the GPS and our time to destination on the highway, we would have arrived at 536 p.m. Going the back route, we were going to arrive at 709 p.m. I said, that's over an hour and a half later. I went by the first exit that the GPS said, get off to go in the back. I was hearing God, please take the back roads. I passed that exit because that was an extra hour and a half. Now, a little drive through the country is one thing, but that was an extra hour and a half. (laughs) I went past the second exit that the GPS said, get off. And I kept hearing, take the back roads. I said, that's an extra hour and a half. Have you all ever had a situation where the spiritual path was an extra length and you had to go an extra way and it just looked like it seemed faster just to go the way logic said? I got to the third exit. I was hearing God said, take the back roads. So I came on off the exit. And we went through the back roads. And I mean, it was just fantastic. I didn't even know we went through a national forest. We passed lakes and beautiful hay smell in the air, Just Everything was just beautiful. It took us till after 7 p.m. before we arrived at the hotel. When I got there, I saw my wife's van. Both of the vans were there and I, I called her up on the cell phone and I said, uh, what room are you in? And she said, I'm at the front desk. I said, what do you mean you're at the front desk? She said, I ordered adjoining rooms and they have moved us three times. And each time, none of the rooms are adjoining rooms. And I'm down here stuck at the front desk trying to get the rooms. I turned to my son and I said, that's why we had to go to back roads. Had we have kept straight down, barreling on the highway, we'd have been stuck in this parking lot, waiting over an hour and a half. Instead, we enjoyed the ride. We had see, and, and, and it's and the point is this: there are heavenly orchestrations that you don't understand. See, God knew they were going to get the rooms mixed up. God knew some stuff. God knew the traffic was going to back up. He knew all of this stuff. See, God can see further down the road than you can. Not only can you not see what's around the corner, you really don't even know what's in front of you. Some of you don't even know what you got and you're looking at dead in the eyes. So you so not only can you not see 200 miles down the road, you sometimes can't even see three feet in front of you. So there is heavenly orchestration that oftentimes we cannot see and that we are not privy to. Job had no idea what was going on in the heavenly realms, just like many of you have no idea what is going on in the heavenly realms. The third thing about the first book of Scripture is loss. Job suffered tremendous loss. Let me just read what what the commentary says about Job. It says, Job is perhaps the earliest book of the Bible, set in the period of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. It tells the story of a man who loses everything, his wealth, his family his health and wrestles with the question why job went through tremendous loss and did not understand the question of why some of you have gone through hell and you now some of the stuff you do understand i'm not talking about the stuff you do understand some of the stuff you do understand But there are some of the things that you have gone through literal hell and you don't know why. It's not your fault. It's nothing you did. You can't understand why this stuff came. Job was a righteous man and he was going through all of this stuff. And Job, nor any of his friends, could understand the question of why am I going through all of this stuff? He went through tremendous loss. Have you all ever lost something? And you don't understand why you lost it. It it just wasn't your fault. Somebody stole something from you. They came in, they took. it. And you don't understand why. That's some. You know, I've had a car stolen. I understood why I didn't lock it. See, I didn't lock it. Turn to the person and tell them, "Lock up your stuff." See, see, there's a difference there. You don't lock it, and somebody comes steal it. That's not some divine orchestration. You didn't lock it. So, so there, there are some things that, that of, of what happens to us, and there is a perfectly logical, natural reason, and the failure is in the natural, it's on our part, it's our fault. There's no two ways about it. But there are some things where you cannot even begin to fathom the reason as to why this thing has come upon you. And Job said, the, the thing that I have feared has come upon me. Fourth thing is suffering and ridicule. After you lose something, you then go through, if it's something that you really want, if you lose something you don't have wanted, that's not a big deal. But if it's something that you really want, Job went through suffering and ridicule because all of the people who saw Job assumed that Job had to commit some horrendous violation for this thing to come upon him. So he went through Ridicule. And see, if you're in the church, if you're Christian and you have a tragedy in your world, people will say, well, I thought you were a Christian. Exactly. How did stuff come on you and you go to church every Sunday? I thought you read your Bible. How did stuff come on you and you call yourself a Christian? You call yourself serving God. Look, and you sick and you got these problems and you can't pay your bills. How did stuff come on you and you call yourself a Christian? That's, this is what was happening to Job. And the people were saying, look, man, you had to have done some major sin for this stuff to come on you. Job said, I haven't done anything to cause all this. There's a a suffering and ridicule that you go through when you're in covenant, even with God, when stuff happens. Because oftentimes God does not explain to you what's going on in the heavenlies. Now, I do believe this. I do believe God had told Job something was coming. Because Job says the thing I have feared has come upon me. See, you can't fear it if you don't know about it. So I do believe that God did give Job a glimpse that Job is some storms coming. So I, I just like he's told me, you gonna to have to go through a Job experience. One day I was like, well, Lord, which one of those four is it? I need to know. He won't tell me. But but but, it's, <laughs> but Job, I believe, had an inkling that something rough was coming on him. Number five, Job did not understand why he was suffering so much. See, the problem that oftentimes we'll have in Christendom is when we go through something and it looked like the folk who sin in the high heaven, they're not going through it. How do you get sick? You come into church, you praying, you tithing, you reading your Bible. How you get sick and this low down dirty heathen walking around in good health? How is how, that? You understand what I'm saying? That, that's the question that we often have. This is, yeah. Lord, why this stuff coming on me? And I'm trying to do right. And I know good and well, I see them tipping out, slipping out, dipping out, snorting, sniffing, sticking. I see them doing all kinds of stuff. How are they? How are they? Yeah, Why haven't you struck them down? Why are you bringing this stuff on me? How come my body aching? I got arthritis, bursitis, tendonitis, flea bites. Lord, why do I have all this stuff and you haven't put any of this stuff on the low-down sinners? Now, you know that has run through your head. This is the same. Job did not understand why this thing was upon him. First book of Scripture. So there is a principle behind this that still it is a blueprint, a template that still is being carried out today in our lives. And we have these experiences we don't understand. Number six, Job began focusing not on his own plight, but among others. Job chapter 42, verse 10 says after Job had prayed for his friends. The Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. After. Now now this is where true Christianity comes in. Here Job is. Family gone. Money gone. Health gone. Respect gone. Here Job is with the uh, and it says after Job prayed for his friends then God restrained after he took his mind and his focus and his whining and his complaining off of his situation and began praying for the deliverance of someone else. God says, then he made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. Stop whining and complaining and belly aching and mealy mouthing about your own trials and tribulations and start praying and doing for somebody else And, and you will find that seventh thing in the oldest book of the Bible restoration not only did God restore Job he gave him literally four times as much because he gave him twice as much and then Job lived another 140 years which is 14, which is again that third division of the number 42. That's why Jesus was divided up into 14 generations from Abraham to David from David to the captivity from captivity to the Christ. But anyway, God restored him fourfold, twice as much, but 140 years is two times 70, which is the normal lifetime. So God gave him twice as much for twice as long, which is four times as much. When he prayed for the very folk who were talking bad about him. See, that's what Christianity is all about. It doesn't take much to praise and pray for somebody who's helping you every day. You don't take it. You don't. The mafia does that. It doesn't take much to do that. The mafia does that. Where it takes true Christ spirit. They have talked about you backstabbed, you picked it, you called you every kind of thing but a child of God. And then Job prayed for his friends. In chapter 42, verse 10, after you all say after. after. See, some of you all are not going to get some of this stuff that you've been asking for. You're not going to get the restoration until after. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. And see, this final thing is what the New Testament is all about. Restoration and bringing us back to the place where we should be. We thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. This ends message number 5440 by Nathaniel Brawner. To hear other messages or to send this message number 5440 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. This has been message number 5440. The 7 Things of the First Book of Scripture. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.